Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. 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 Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the ninth chapter. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from above and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The Gospel of the Lord. When the prophet Elijah passes on the mantle of his power and authority to Elisha, as we heard in that first reading today, he was keeping a long-standing tradition that actually goes all the way back to the beginning of the biblical narrative. In fact, the very first story of creation in Genesis 1 tells us that God is the one who established this pattern from the very beginning. When God gave away creative power to the earth, to the seas, to all creatures, including humans who were given dominion and who were created in God's image, During our time in Mexico this past week, those of us who are on our St. Mark's mission team paused each evening to hear that story again, that creation story, and to remember the surprising way that God does this. Even though God could have brought the entire cosmos into being without any help at all, if God has the power that we believe God has. I like the way that Terry Fredheim describes this in a book he wrote called Creation Untamed. After pointing to verses in the creation story where God says, let the earth bring forth vegetation and let the seas bring forth swarms of life and let human beings and all creatures be fruitful and multiply and let them do what I have created them to do. 
Terry Fredheim says, God is bringing new creatures into being with the help of already existing creatures. It's not that God needs help, he says, but that God chooses to use agents in the creating process. Conceivably, God could have spoken a word and poof, a new creature could have been brought into existence, he says. But that is not God's way in this text. God chooses instead to involve already existing creatures in creating further creatures. In other words, God chooses to pass along the mantle of creative power in ways that give meaning and purpose to every new cycle of life and every new generation that is a part of that unfolding process of creation. When I think about that today, the thing that strikes me, I think, most of all is both the risk that God takes in all of this and the trust that God gives to us and to creation. And it's not unlike the risk and the trust involved when Jesus begins the work of recreation and of bringing the world back into wholeness and then hands over all of that to a group of disciples who are good but certainly far from perfect. In the story told at the end of St. Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is taken up into heaven very much like Elijah is in the Gospel story for today, in the Old Testament story today. But before he ascends to his followers, if you're familiar with that, you'll remember that he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and now I give it to you so that you may go and do my reconciling work in the world. That's supported by St. Luke's recollection, too, passed on to him by early Christians, where he tells us that Jesus promises his followers before he leaves to wait because they will receive power from on high. And then they will take this mantle and they will be his ministers, his disciples, his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, to all the ends of the earth. St. John even has Jesus breathing that power into his disciples on the day of his resurrection. Very much like God breathing power into human beings the beginning of creation and breathing life into us. Jesus knew that he would be leaving his disciples to do his work in a very cruel and unforgiving world. So the first thing he said to them is, I'm giving you the power to forgive. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. The mantle was passed on. And every time they used that power, there were transforming and amazing results. Centuries later, Martin Luther would say that where there is forgiveness of sins, there's life, there's salvation. Luther's story itself is another example, I think, of how a great treasure is both received and then passed on from one community of faith to the next. For Lutheran Christians, the mantle that is passed on to us is the same one that our namesake inherited. It's the power of God's grace which frees us to be ministers of the gospel 
in every time, in every place, from congregations in Europe that are now approaching their 500th anniversary to congregations that are just emerging in countries all over the world today. And not surprisingly, this passing of the mantle from one generation to the next is also the story of our congregation. I was very aware of that when I came here 15 years ago. And I'm still very humbled to receive the mantle of Word and Sacrament Ministry from faithful, gifted pastors like J.L. Moyling, Lud Sequeland, John Rayton, Eugene Anderson, Christy Kramer, Lyle Miller, Ginny Johnson, Margaret O'Neill, and all of those other visitation pastors, interim pastors, who served you as stewards of the mysteries of God's grace. And of course, it isn't just pastors that I'm thinking of today. It's all the people who have had the trust and the vision to do God's work of creating and sustaining life here in this congregation throughout the years, and who had the courage to give it to us, to pass it along to us. Some of those people have served on our staff, and we know that we wouldn't be here without them. Some years ago, Becky Christian took the mantle of hospitality and care from servants who had gone before her. And now she is passing that along to her successor. We'll have more time to talk about that at the luncheon today, but I do want to express my heartfelt thanks for the way that she has used this powerful gift to bless all of us in so many ways. And the same is true for Jan Pence, who took the mantle of parish support and of office coordination from a long line of very faithful and gifted people. And in her years of service on our staff, Jan has been using this creative power to create gracious space for all of us to live in. And she's brought joy and fulfillment to our work together as colleagues. That mantle, too, is now being passed along so that both women can have more time to do the work of grandparenting, grandparenting the next generation of children in their respective families which is also a sacred task entrusted to them by a loving and a gracious God who sets the perfect example for all of us children in the way that we are given both infinite love and freedom. As Terry Fredheim goes on to say in that book that I mentioned earlier, the creation story shows us that God will be present and active in the world but will not be invested in the management of all creatures. God will let them be and become what they are created to be without divine interference, with all the capacities that they have been given. I think that's the same kind of liberating power that St. Paul is talking about in that second reading that we heard today. When he says that God in Jesus Christ has set us free to live by the spirit given to us, the spirit that has been breathed into us. And when you are given that spirit, that mantle 
of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control and generosity, Paul says, that is not an opportunity for self-indulgence. Rather, the fruits of the Spirit, Paul says, are passed on to you and to me so that we can share them with our neighbor. Coming full circle, I love the way that Elisha yearns with all his heart to receive the God-given gifts that Elijah had inherited. Please, he says, let me inherit a double share of your spirit, as if his own life depended on it. And in truth, of course, it did. Just as your life and my life depend on the gifts that God passes on to us through other spirit-filled people. As we go in peace to love and serve the Lord today, may those gifts passed on to us give us the same experience that Elisha must have had when he took the mantle he inherited, struck the water, and it parted before him as if nothing in all creation could stop him from doing God's work 